You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you're indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 20th, 2018. Happy Erev Draft, Draft Eve, whatever you want to call it. We are one day away from the NBA Draft. My name is Phil Prosperich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Tomorrow, we will have a lengthy conversation about the NBA Draft as Orlando Magic Daily's Ricky Skrika will be on the show to discuss everything about the NBA Draft and the prospects and what the Orlando Magic might do. A lot to get to there. Uh, a lot to get to there as we our, give our final review of the, the prospects. Ricky posted his big board a few days ago. We'll share that link out again uh, on Thursday as well. So a lot to get to in these final days. We're already starting to see rumors pop up, not involving the Magic yet, but big rumors pop up. It should be a crazy, crazy, crazy Thursday night up in New York. And of course, to stay with everything, I would definitely check out the Locked On NBA podcast. We just finished our Locked On NBA mock draft. Um, I listened to a couple of the episodes. Uh, It is a very good analysis on the draft prospects, as well as the thoughts from around the Locked On podcast. I work every NBA team uh, has a Locked On podcast. So the site experts, the, the, the experts, the local experts that run those podcasts made their selections for their team. A very interesting mock draft to be sure. On top of all that, of course, uh, we'll be doing a Locked On Magic here, uh, and we'll talk about a couple of big prospects that we haven't had the chance to talk about very much yet, uh, so I'll, talk, I'll chat a little bit about Marvin Bagley and Muhammad Bamba, and then we'll close out today's show just kind of repeating some things that, that I talked about and touched a little bit about on the Surprise Mailbag episode on Friday, where the Magic could trade, and, how they, and, and, and where I'm kind of targeting some trade opportunities in this NBA draft. Um, as I mentioned uh, when I analyze my locked on mock draft uh, selection, I tend to be a little bit conservative, so uh, I'm not going to go out with these crazy trade machine ideas, but I'll mention where I do see a few opportunities and, and where if I were Jeff Weltman, I would be working the phones uh, to, to make some specific deals and, and, and find some specific targets that I think could really help the magic along. But let's start with a look at a couple of draft prospects, a couple of big names that we haven't had the chance to really talk about on the show. I've talked about Trey Young. We did a whole episode for Trey Young. Talked about Wendell Carter Jr. Talked about Colin Sexton. Talked a little bit about Michael Porter Jr. I believe I did a Jaron Jackson Jr. episode. Um, not going to talk about Luka Doncic, our Lord and Savior, as well as DeAndre Ayton, who's a pretty good apostle, I suppose. Um, we'll talk about them on to, on tomorrow's episode with Ricky. Um, not likely to follow the magic, although Luka Doncic is getting there. Um, if he does, we'll we'll talk plenty about him. But um, I want to talk today about Marvin Bagley and Muhammad Bamba, two players that, in my opinion, um, could not really be on more opposite ends of the spectrum as far as what you're going to get from it, the center position, or what you're going to get from a player. Uh, Marvin Bagley, we'll start with him. I've kind of been low on him throughout this entire draft process. I will fully admit that. Um, I kind of approached... Marvin Bagley approached this uh, this this draft looking at Marvin Bagley saying, you know, the Magic don't really need another power forward. They've got Aaron, they've got Jonathan Isaac, number one. I think they're going to keep Aaron Gordon, number two. I don't have faith that Bagley can play the center at the NBA level, so I've been kind of out on Bagley. And I'll fully admit, I've kind of dismissed and, and ignored Marvin Bagley a lot in my draft evaluations and in my draft uh, draft um, uh, 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 analysis because. Uh, at, at this point, I'm just not sure where he fits. It, it, with the Magic specifically, 
but even to some extent in the modern NBA. There's no doubt when you watch tape, and, and I'll admit when I started actually watching tape of Marvin Bagley and, and, and not ignoring him like I, like I have been, you come away really impressed. And, and there is a lot to like about this kid. He is one of the most athletic bigs that we have seen in the NBA in a very, very long time. He's got great second and third jump ability. That's something that, um, you know, I'll, I, I would say it this way. What always impressed me about Dwight Howard was not just his shot blocking or not just his defensive positioning. It was his ability to jump once and then jump again. That's something that uh, that that is a that is a, a natural skill. Your ability to get off the ground twice with the same kind of force. Marvin Bagley has that, and this is a kid that works absolutely hard on the offensive glass. He's a great offensive rebound because of that second jump ability. That second jump is just purely elite. Um, he's got a very advanced offensive game, especially for the low in the low post. For a player of his age, he uses that athleticism well. Um, he's got a reliable enough jumper, although I wouldn't say it's out to the three-point line or anything like that. Uh, and he can really make plays with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's a good roller, a good rim runner. Um, again, and that, that his work on the offensive glass is really second to none. He's shown uh, some hints that he could develop a little bit more of an outside shot, and I think that would make him infinitely more valuable. I have taken, though, to calling him uh, a better version of Julius Randle, and I am a member of of a, of a Julius Randle stand, as, as I think our, our friends at Locked On Lakers like to say. Um, I... I like Julius Randle in a lot of ways. I think that he's very much of a throwback player, kind of a traditional four, got, but 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 in a modern traditional four in a lot of ways. Doesn't have the three-point range, but will get out in transition, can handle the ball a little bit, can work with his fi- facing up to the basket, is, is going to work the offensive glass, all those things that, that you do like to see in power forwards, in in players that, that play around the basket. But at the same time, his game is very limited. Um, because he doesn't have that three-point shot. And on top of all this comes, I think, the biggest issue with Marvin Bagley Jr. Or Marvin Bagley III, I apologize. The biggest issue with Marvin Bagley is his defense. This is a league, as we as we saw throughout the playoffs, this is a league that demands its big men play defense, that they have positional versatility, that they be able to guard multiple places on the floor, multiple players on the floor. Bigs have to be able to stick with guards a little bit to be good in this league or to be uh, uh, useful in this league. And that's one of the interesting things about this draft with all the bigs in this draft. How do they stay on the floor? If they're not going to revolution, if this draft class doesn't revolutionize the NBA in the way they use bigs, this could be a really kind of forgotten or not wasted draft class, but a draft class where a lot of teams get really good players, but not championship level players. And I think that's a really. Kind of, it's going to be an interesting thing that's going to play out. As, as this is a very talented class, as, as Jeff Weltman said on Monday, this is a class that that talent evaluators and scouts have have flagged for several years that this would be a very good class. But their impact on the overall history of the NBA could be uh, could be blunted a little bit, could uh, because of the way the direct because of the direction the game is going. Um, it'll be interesting to see who emerges as true as the true stars of this draft. Marvin Bagley III, to me, is not one of those players. And I think some people are very, very high on him because of his offense ability, but I don't think his offense will ever trump his defense. Uh, Coach Mike Krzyzewski at Duke does not like zone defenses. The whole Duke family tree detests playing zone defenses. They believe philosophically in man defense. I have, I, I, I've not been with, with Duke coaches, but I know plenty of coaches who feel that you know, rightly or wrongly, zone defenses are weakness. In the NBA, 
barely anyone plays zone. You can play a, a type of zone defense. Um, you see a lot of zone principles in weak side rotations, especially. Um, but the NBA is not a zone team, zone league. The Duke Blue Devils played primarily zone defense last year, and a lot of it was to hide Marvin Bagley III. Typically, you see a lot of teams play zone defenses because they're trying to hide someone defensively, just kind of simplify defensive responsibilities for an important player and work things out from there because you can you can swarm a little bit better. You your, your responsibilities aren't as uh, individually uh, aren't, aren't as individual. Even in zo- that zone defense. I saw on multiple occasions teams attack Marvin Bagley III. What what I think is most disappointing and and most frustrating about Marvin Bagley III is that he has this great motor to go after the ball on the offensive glass. That's something you can't teach. Someone who wants to fight for offensive rebounds and and get get those vulture points. But that same fight was never present on defense. In fact, it just kind of looked like he was out there without much defensive awareness or or team awareness within within that zone defense or when he tried to play man. Yeah. Yeah, there were a few occasional block shots. I mean, he, he got he got some stats and he could collect rebounds, but that lack of defense to me is very very concerning and and frankly, I I've just always been of the opinion that his offense is not good enough to counteract what he's going to give up on the defensive end especially if he's the kind of guy that you're going to build your team around. Uh, I've said this to people who, and, and there are plenty of reasons to like Marvin Bagley. This is just my analysis. Bagley is a much better player than I'm probably painting him out to be. Uh, he, he is a really good offensive player. I mean, I, I've told people who tell me, why aren't you considering Bagley? Why don't you like Bagley? Bagley should be the pick. If the Magic don't take Bagley, they're being silly. And maybe they are, but um, I, 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 tell, I tell them this. Like, A, Bagley's probably going to come into the league and average 16, 17, 18 points per game because he's he's that good. But I'm not sure what impact he's going to have on winning. Is he going to make your team better and make them a winning team? That is, I think, the big question with Marvin Bagley III. Can he step up his game on the defensive end to match his offense? And then, of course, I think the bigger question is, how does he fit in this modern NBA? In this modern NBA where... Big men have to be able to switch out onto perimeter players and hold their own, where they have to be rim protectors, where they have to lock down the paint. Is Bagley going to be able to do that? That is the biggest question that I have about Bagley, and that's a question that I'm not comfortable answering quite yet. Um, As I said uh, on the Locked On Mock Draft, the reason I picked Wendell Carter Jr. is I think Wendell Carter Jr. can answer those questions. I think Wendell Carter Jr. covered for a lot of Bagley's mistakes, did so very, very well. I think he can uh, fill those responsibilities that are asked of centers in the modern age in a way that Bagley can't. And so while I would I would definitely agree with those that say, well, Bagley's going to score more points. Bagley's going to put up numbers. Uh, I have no doubt about that. I think he'll have a very successful career. But this is about building a winning team. This, is, this isn't just about, uh, for a lot of fans, it's I, I, I get a lot of complaints about fans saying, oh, we don't want to just be mediocre. We want to be championship good. That's why we need to tank, or yada, 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 yada. Um, Bagley, to me, is not that guy. Bagley's not going to get you to, to that championship level. Um, I've told people this. I think Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be a more impactful pro. That doesn't mean better player. I think that's a difference. 
Wendell Carter Jr. may not be a better overall player than Marvin Bagley III, but Wendell Carter Jr. I think helps you win more than Marvin Bagley. That's just me. That's just uh, my opinion on that matter. Bagley's still a very, very good player. I think there are some, some, there is some something you can build around with it. There is something that you can grow with it. Um, but at the same time, uh, I definitely think that there are uh, several other options that are worth exploring uh, that, that I would explore over Bagley. Uh, I, I'm not completely out on Bagley. I, I think that he'll be very good, um, that I don't think he's the best fit for this Magic team. Like I said, there is an opposite end to the spectrum, and that comes in the form of Muhammad Bamba, the Texas big man with the 7'10 wingspan. I've... I've done, I think, four or five mock drafts, live mock drafts now. I've had this the most difficult decision I think you could possibly have uh, in this NBA draft for the Magic uh, in two or three of them, and that is having both Mo Bamba and Trey Young on the board at six. First off, the measurables. Mo Bamba, 7'10 wingspan, the longest wingspan ever measured at the NBA draft combine. Um, this is a guy that just has these incredible incredible physical skills, innate physical skills that you cannot do anything about. I think he will come into the league and will change and block shots uh, at a very high rate and be someone that uh, that that offenses have to account for, have to be on the lookout for, and frankly, have to avoid. Um, this is a guy that's going to uh, make that kind of a big impact, and big is the operative word, big and long impact. Uh, on this team and, and, and on on offenses. Um, he was a great shot blocker at Texas. Offensive game, though, still has a very long way to go. Uh, he's very, very raw on the offensive end. Um, I thought when I watched him play a few times, uh, fell in love with his jumper a little bit too much. It was kind of a similar thing that Miles that I, that I thought about Miles Turner that turned out to be, I guess, okay. I'm not sure what Miles Turner is right now. Um, but generally, I thought Bamba floated around the perimeter a little too much, fell in love with his jumper, and his jumper just wasn't there last year. I'd like to see him get a little bit more closer to the basket, but involving him on the offensive end is going to still be a very difficult task, although he projects that he could develop that jumper. He and uh, he and Drew Hanlon, the famous uh, coach, have been getting in the gym a lot. Um, there's been a lot of great uh, videos showing the an improved sh- shooting form, an improved range, a guy that, that can hit three-pointers. Uh, so I think that Mo Bamba is taking steps uh, to be a really special player. Um, there, there's been buzz that he could sneak into the top three. Um, I don't think that buzz is unwarranted. He seems to have everything you would want. He's got good athleticism. He's got good lateral quickness for a guy his size, seven feet tall, seven foot ten wingspan. He's got that wingspan that can close guys down. He seems to be a perfect fit for what John Hammond and Jeff Weltman typically have drafted in their history, where they've gone for versatile. Long, uh, long big men, especially, but versatile long players who can defend really, really well. That's Mo Bamba. The question with Bamba is kind of uh, making those edges less rough or smoothing out those edges. Can he build strength? He's got a very slight frame. He was probably going to get pushed around. Not the greatest rebounder. There, there were questions about his motor, and I hate questioning motor so much, but um, there were questions about his drive and his determination with. Uh, how he attacked the off, how he attacked rebounds. He wasn't a great rebounder last year at Texas. Um, you know, he's just kind of big right now. He's still just so raw. He's still so new to the game. It seems like that he's he's obviously got talent. He's obviously got some ability to improve, and, and it looks like he is willing to put in the work and improve. So that's not the issue. 
The issue just might be, can he put on the weight? Can he build the muscle? Can he muscle around with the bigs in this league? And so even though the league is downsizing, even though the league doesn't have the same back-to-the-basket guys, it comes down to fight and want and being able to physically push through uh, some of those barriers to get rebounds, to get uh, to get block shots, to, to get that second jump. And so... Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how he develops. He does project to be a Rudy Gobert plus. Rudy Gobert with a, a more diverse offensive game. And that's obviously a really, really valuable skill, I think, to have. Um, Bamba would be a great pick at six. I would not be upset at all if the Magic took Bamba. Uh, he, again, fits that profile of players that, that Jeff Weltman and John Hammond have drafted in the past. Uh, and seems like a guy that... Um, that would want that 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 the Magic would want and would want to not necessarily build around, but you can build an identity with him. Um, the, one of the big reasons I've taken Trey Young in so many drafts is because that's a player that you can start building an identity around. That's a player that clearly has a, a specific way of playing that makes others around him better, that helps others, and sets an identity for the team. Magic have lacked an offensive identity. They've lacked a defensive identity. That's why they're kind of in the position that they are. But Mo Bamba is the kind of player that sets your defensive identity because he can protect the rim. You can build a defensive scheme around him with him as the centerpiece. We saw that with the Magic with Dwight Howard. That's the same kind of thing that could happen with Mo Bamba. You funnel guys into him and he just blocks shots. Question is, though, whether he can defend pick and rolls, whether whether he can truly step out and get guards, and whether he can put on the strength to be a great player. Um, Physically, he is right there, and so I think that uh, he is someone that the Magic will definitely consider and may actually pick in this draft. To close out today's show, I do want to quickly touch on a couple trade ideas, a couple trade opportunities that might present themselves. I want to, again, repeat that this is pure speculation. This is me kind of looking at the tea leaves and and saying, okay, here's some areas where I might target. And really, the thing I want to draw out of this is is really what it will cost, what what is actually, uh, what it actually might cost to make these moves, to go from, uh, uh, go from, you know, six to four or to to trade back or to, or to, um, or to trade into the first round again with the with those two second round picks that the Magic have. Um, as I've said, I am naturally conservative when it comes to trade, so I'm probably not the best guy to go to for trade trade machine ideas. Um, but there, these are a few opportunities that I saw out there. The first one that I want to talk about, and something I touched on a lot, I think, in Friday's uh, mailbag episode. Again, if you want to check that out, go on to iTunes, Stitcher, tune in all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast name, listening device. Go into the archives and download Friday's special mailbag episode, pre-draft mailbag episode um, for some of these thoughts as well. But uh, a lot of rumors going around about the Grizzlies trying to trade the or being willing to trade the fourth pick if they can attach Chandler Parsons to it. Um, that's kind of the biggest opportunity I see for the Magic to trade up. You know, maybe they might be willing to take on a Kent Bazemore or Dennis Schroeder from Atlanta. And in any case, to move up from six to three or four or wherever, it's going to take the Magic taking on the, another team's bad contract. I mean, Kent Bazemore's not on a great contract. The Hawks are clearly trying to get rid of Dennis Schroeder, although his contract may not be as bad as some of the others. Um, Memphis is trying to get rid of Chandler Parsons who's getting paid $20-plus million a year for the next, I think, two years. Um, these are not deals you want to get stuck with. And, and Orlando, to me, 
is in a position where if they can't get rid of one of their bad contracts, they shouldn't be looking to take on another bad contract. I've seen a lot of people offer, say, Evan Fournier for Chandler Parsons. I, I would say to that, you know, you're going to get a pretty good player at six anyway. Evan Fournier is a perfectly useful and fine player. Why would you give that up for Chandler Parsons? Unless the guy you're getting it for is going to be ridiculously good and is really your guy that you're so sold on that, that you, you're willing to bet the farm on him. I don't think that's quite the move. And, and I would say this as well. If the Magic are looking to are looking to add salary or are looking to bring in a big salary player like a Chandler Parsons and add salary to their ledgers, then they're going to bump up pretty close to the luxury tax if they re-sign Aaron Gordon. And I don't think that this organization is quite in the position to put themselves near the tax or at the tax or in the tax and not be a playoff team. I think that would be really, really hard to stomach for ownership. Um, you know, they're already paying a pretty hefty salary already for some mistakes. I don't think they want to make those mistakes again, even if things line up. Now, come, you know, right before they hit free agency, maybe that, that thought changes. But I think right now, I don't think that's the direction the Magic want to go. So I see it very, very hard for the Magic to trade up in this draft. The next set of teams that I think the Magic could target is Philadelphia. They have the 10th pick as well as a pick in the 20s, I think the 21st pick, um, or the 20th pick or something, 22nd pick or something like that, um, and the Clippers at 12 and 13. Uh, a, a simple swap of six plus something for for those for to, to those teams makes some sense, and then I think that there are some big salaries that could get moved around. I think the Clippers are looking to trade Danilo Gallinari. I think he has some skills that the Magic might like to, like to use, but another big salary player... You know, if you get rid of Vucevic in that deal, plus uh, Shelvin Mack, salaries kind of work, but you're taking on more money. But you're getting a productive player. You're getting someone who can score, so maybe that's worth a look. Um, Philadelphia, I think their position is interesting. You could trade back a few spots. If you really like Colin Sexton and, and want to take him there, or Shai Gildas-Alexander or Kevin Knox and take him there, you could trade back with Philadelphia to 10, maybe uh, give them a Shelvin Mack so they can keep cutting salary. Uh, and take on additionally Jared Bayless as well, a nice veteran point guard to to, to add some shooting to your bench. Um, there, there kind of feels like there's something there. Philadelphia's goals aren't particularly clear at this point. Um, I think they're trying to keep cap room open to try and make a run at a big name free agent this summer. So I don't think that they're necessarily in the market to uh, take on a lot of big salaries. So again, you're not seeing a lot of big salaries move. Uh, on the LA side, of course, I think you would see a salary move, maybe an Evan Fournier, maybe a Nikola Vucevic, maybe a Terrence Ross, and probably bringing back Danilo Gallinari. There wasn't a whole lot on the Clippers roster that I was super interested in. Um, I remember in the Lockdown Mock Draft, I did uh, try and engage with the Clippers, didn't really get anywhere with that. Um, uh, it, it didn't seem like, it, they were. I think they were talking with Dallas at the time anyway, um, so th- a deal didn't happen there. What I think is more likely is the Magic look to move into the late first round. And there are a couple opportunities there that I saw, but the one that I really want to highlight is Utah, the 21st pick. Um, I remember uh, during the lockdown mock draft, I did talk to Utah a little bit about a deal for the 21st pick, and uh, the Utah general manager, um, David Locke, did seem uh, a bit interested with something that I did have to offer. Um, I, I offered him at the time Nikola Vucevic, plus 35, plus 41, for their pick, the 21st pick, and Alec Burks. Um, I think that really what the Magic should be looking to do is trying to find a player like an Alec Burks, a player who might be a bit overpaid but is coming toward the end of his contract, 
um, isn't quite getting the opportunity that he should or could with his team and is looking kind of for a fresh start. Um, Alec Burks is young enough that, that you know, he still has some room to grow, so he's still an interesting young player. Um, he's got a skill set that the Magic need. He's a pretty decent shooter. He's just had a lot of injuries, and that's prevented him from playing. So maybe that's a risk the Magic are willing to take. On the Utah side, I think Orlando has a lot of assets that I think would be really interesting for the Jazz to take on. They they might lose Derek Favors to free agency, so acquiring a Nikola Vucevic at $12.5 million is a bit of an insurance for this year that they have a scoring big man off the bench that they can play behind Rudy Gobert. I think that would be a great fit for Nikola Vucevic. There's long been reported interest, um, or at least people trying to connect dots between Evan Fournier and the Utah Jazz. So, uh, you know, Evan Fournier is obviously good friends with Rudy Gobert. He's vacationed in Utah. Uh, that part's irrelevant, but... Um, but Utah needs another wing scorer. They need another wing shooter. Uh, and Evan Fournier fits the bill on that. You, you have him compete for minutes with Joe Ingles. I think you got uh, uh, some, some solid depth there. Um, Utah could throw in, could add in some players to make salaries match that I think would really help the Magic. In addition to Alec Burks, you could see them maybe throw in a Jay Crowder who um, has bounced around the league a little bit, but good defender has helped set cultures elsewhere, didn't really play much in Utah. So again, another guy who maybe isn't getting the opportunity that he could in Utah. So you add that plus the 21st pick, uh, then you've got something going there. So I think there's at least the framework of a deal. I'm not saying that there is a deal there. I'm not saying that I know that there's a deal there or that a deal is happening there. But I think you could see the balance coming around that you know you talk with a team like Utah, you, you look for an asset like an Alec Burks or you look for an asset... Uh, like that, who just needs another opportunity somewhere, who just needs a chance, just needs a fresh scenery somewhere, you can begin to see, well, like, okay, maybe they're willing to take on a big salary, and especially a team like Utah, uh, a team that's contending right now, a team that struggled to attract free agents even when they're doing well, um, they could be a kind of team that takes a risk on an Evan Fournier and says, you know, Evan Fournier at $17 million over the next three years, that's something we can stomach. We got Donovan Mitchell for a long time now for uh, on his rookie contract. We've got Rudy Gobert. We, we've got a good team. We've got a team that finished fifth in the West and, and, and made it to the second round for the second straight year. Maybe this is our time to not necessarily strike, but to bolster our team, maybe take on a little bit more salary to get players that will make a bigger impact down the road. And so um, perhaps that's Utah sinking. That's another reason why I targeted them. But overall, I would say for the Magic to get rid of a big salary, they're going to have to take on a big salary. They're going to have to take on another probably bad salary in the process. Orlando has to be open to take those kinds of risks, uh, to, to, to evaluate everything, of course, but be willing to take the risk to say, you know what, we are in a position where we need to take on this player who needs a second chance. Um, this contract might be a bit onerous, but not as bad as some of the other contracts that we have. Uh, but we're willing to take the chance on him that that giving him a new scenery, giving him a new role will unlock something in him. And, and again, to find those kinds of bargains is absolutely the trick for Jeff Weltman in this trade market. As Weltman said on Monday, they're looking up, they're looking down, they're looking at everything at this point. By now, things are going to get very, very serious in trade discussions as those frameworks come into play. And of course, we'll see how the draft plays out as well because it, it, in any of these deals, the most important thing that comes out of it is that draft pick and making sure you get a good player with that draft pick. Again, in the, in the 20s, you could see the Magic taking Kevin Herter. You could see them taking Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, I cannot pronounce his name. I apologize. Um, you could see them maybe taking Azan and Musa. 
um, or going with with plenty of other players as well late in that late in the first round. Anthony Simons comes to mind as well. So lots of opportunity. Um, I'm sure I'm just scratching the surface on some of the things that the Magic might be talking about or might not be talking about. Who the who the heck knows at this point? But obviously a lot, a lot, a lot to analyze and a lot to break down as the draft draws closer. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Be sure to check out Locked on NBA for the latest NBA draft analysis from the national perspective and to take a look back at our Locked on NBA mock draft. You can also find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Tomorrow on Locked on Magic, we'll be back with a long episode, so clear out some time on your Thursday before the NBA draft. I'll be talking with Ricky Skricka about all the draft prospects, about everything going on with the Magic heading into this draft. Should be a fun conversation as we get ready for Thursday's NBA draft. And of course, Friday, I'll have an episode probably broadcasting from the Amway Center talking about the NBA draft and what it means for the Orlando Magic. So be excited and stay tuned for that. You, and of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We're finishing up our draft player profiles. I'll have some second round targets to look for, a couple of names that, that you probably expect, a couple of names that you may not know too much about. Um, and of course, uh, lots of content. We've got the case to, to draft Michael Porter Jr. up. We've got the case to, or we'll have that up tomorrow, actually. We've got the case to draft Trey Young. We've got uh, Ricky Scricka's big board. We've got an opinion column saying why the Magic should take the best player available, why the how the Magic should trade up, what they should be looking for in trades. All of this and more on OrlandoMagicDaily.com will be a busy couple of days. I'll have my mock draft up Thursday as well, my final mock draft, including my official prediction for who the Magic will take. We'll talk about that tomorrow on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic as well. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.